As you know, our brother Rick Owens is still down after having those injections in his back for his spine. But we are uh, blessed to have uh, Brother Drew Suttles with us tonight. We had uh, his friend Rick Lawson this morning. Uh, Drew has attended the Adairsville congregation for about 13 years. He hasn't been there the past year because he's been at the Memphis School of Preaching. He completed his first year there uh, just this week, I guess. And we're certainly pleased to have uh, Drew with us, his wife, Brittany, their son, Jackson, and obviously some friends. I'm sorry I didn't meet you, but you're certainly, I'm, we're glad that you're here also. Uh, we look forward to your lesson, Drew. Come preach to us. Good evening. It's wonderful to be with you tonight. And uh, as he said, Rick Lawson was here this morning. Rick is a, a wonderful gospel preacher, a wonderful man. He has helped me greatly. As he went through the Memphis School of Preaching as well, uh, 1999 to 2000, I do believe. But Friday, we finished our very first year there at the Memphis School of Preaching. And I was told before I went, this will be the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life, but it will be the greatest thing. And I have to say, it is extremely hard, but it is worth every second of hard work and study that we put in. I have learned so much in a short amount of time, and I'm very excited to go back. Next week, we'll start our summer courses, so please keep me in your prayers as I go. A little bit more about me is, uh, yeah, he mentioned I was from Adairsville. I was born there. I was raised there. We, were, we grew up in the Christian church, and we came to the knowledge of the truth and understood that we were wrong. We were using mechanical instruments. We were setting certain Sundays aside more important than others. We were wrong. We came to realize what the Bible says, and when you do what the Bible says, you come to the church that Christ died for, shed his blood for, Acts 20 and verse 28. And so after coming to this knowledge of the truth, we began faithfully attending there. Steve McCaslin, as many of you know, was a wonderful mentor for me, married my wife Brittany and I. My wife Brittany and I, we met at Fred Hardman University. I attended there from 2010 to 2014. One of my friends, Kirkland Wheeler, and a teammate of mine, we played baseball together there, is here tonight. And it was a wonderful time. While I was at Fred Hardman, of course, Brittany and I decided that it was getting pretty serious. And so just a few months after I graduated from there, we were married in November, November the 8th. Shortly after we were married, I realized I had to go to work. We had to have some income. And so I began working at Knott's Logistics, which is a Toyo Tire Warehousing Company in White, Georgia, Northwest Georgia. After working there for about a year on night shift and then thankfully going to day shift, I came in contact with a Pentecostal preacher by the name of Jonathan Jenkins. He had been preaching for a long time. We studied together, and he challenged me and I challenged him. But what it made us both do is go home and open our Bibles and see what God has to say about the issue. After a year of study with him, on June the 29th of last year, he and his wife Heather Jenkins were baptized into Christ and added to the body of Christ. That night, I decided I want to preach the gospel with every breath that I have left in my body. As long as I live, as long as God gives me breath, I want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in August, just a few weeks later, Brittany and I arrived at the Memphis School of Preaching. So I am very thankful to be standing before you tonight as we focus on what God has said. To you fathers, happy Father's Day. It's a wonderful day, and I'm very thankful to be the father of my son, Jackson, who will be two in September. 
But you know what's more important than Father's Day? This is the first day of the week. Every first day of the week is the Lord's Day. And we come together to worship Him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. This past quarter, the fourth quarter at the Memphis School of Preaching in your first year is one of the hardest quarters that you will take in two years, I'm told. We just finished it and, and it was very challenging, but we learned so much. I took a class called General Epistles with Brother Bobby Liddell where we studied First and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, and Jude. And tonight I'd like to share with you what we learned from the short epistle of Jude. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up there as we study the Word of God tonight. By means of introduction, I would like to give us a quick overview of this epistle of Jude. Jude was the half-brother of Jesus and the brother of James. But I think it's very interesting and important for us to note that he states that he was the servant of Jesus. James also the bondservant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. This shows his humility. It shows his purpose. He was not about himself. He was about serving Jesus. This short epistle of 25 verses is powerful and is relevant to us today. You'll notice when you study the book of Jude that it's written in trilogies. And what I mean by that is he likes to group things in threes. For example, if you notice in verse 1, he writes to them that are sanctified, preserved, and called. Notice verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied unto you. He lists the past, present, and future judgments of false teachers. He will list three groups and then three individuals. The three groups are the people out of the land of Egypt, the angels which left their first estate, and Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the three individuals that he lists are Cain, Balaam, and Korah. So you see the way he writes, he, he, he likes to have these threes in part. But another very interesting thing about the epistle of Jude is that it is closely correlated to the epistle of 2 Peter. They have this same concept in mind that there's going to be false teachers. There are going to be those who try to get you away from the purity of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, make no mistake about it, the same is happening today. There are false teachers everywhere, and we have to be on guard. This epistle is filled with warnings and facts about false teachers, but also filled with tender exhortations from Jude. He wrote to warn, inform, and encourage the brethren. It's important to know that when apostasy arises... False teachers emerge, and when the truth of God is attacked, brethren, we must stand up and fight. We must be on the Lord's side because, make no mistake, the Lord is going to win. We just have to make sure we're on His side. The most common verse in this epistle, and I believe the most important, is Jude 3. He writes, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Let's think about that verse for a moment. Jude had been thinking about writing to them about this, this common salvation. But notice he said, Beloved. This shows his tender affection. With diligence shows he was determined to do it. Common, meaning it was shared by all. And needful indicates that he had planned 
to write to them, but something happened. It was the false teachers were bringing in their poisonous doctrines, trying to draw people away from the purity of what they were doing. He charged them to earnestly contend, literally wrestle for the faith. So what is the faith? The faith is the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. The faith is from God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Timothy three, sixteen and 17. The Gospel is divine in conception. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, and is made manifest in these last times for you. 1 Peter 1, 18-20 You'll notice that the gospel is unique in character. As Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1, 16 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. And the gospel of Christ, the faith, is complete in content. 2 Peter 1, 3 tells us that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Brethren, we must not add or take away from the faith, from the perfect revealed word of God. We remember what Moses said. He said, You shall not add unto the word which I command you, Neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Deuteronomy 4.2 The Proverbs writer says, Add thou not unto his word, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Proverbs 30 and verse 6 We must not change anything about this because it is perfect. It is the mind of God. It is God-breathed. Therefore, when we open this up and we obey it, we can know we are doing God's will. And what a great blessing that is. Tonight we're going to examine three points about how we can stand in order to defend the truth of God's Word and earnestly contend for the faith. Number one, we must stand firm in faith. Number two, we must remain steadfast in love. And number three, we must be confident in hope. We must be firm in faith. Faith is the foundation on which we all must stand. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. When Peter discussed the Christian graces found in 2 Peter chapter 1, you'll notice that the base, the very beginning, the foundation is faith. He says, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we see that the foundation on which all these other great traits are built is faith. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them, that diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 The question might be asked, where does faith come from? So then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10.17 Brethren, we must walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 To stand firm in faith is to maintain the boldness of hope and to establish a rock-solid foundation. What is that foundation? For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 We are to be rooted up and built up in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.7 Standing firm in the truth of God's Word will produce strength and allow the children of God to draw nearer unto God as He draws nearer unto us. James 4.8 So number one, we must stand firm in faith if we are going to earnestly contend for it in a world of religious confusion. But number two, we must be steadfast in love. Love is the golden chain that binds. Love is the highest degree. It is an octave higher. It is that which will abide forever. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The love of God was manifested when Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for your sins and for mine. For God, the greatest being, so loved the greatest emotion, the world, the greatest number, that He gave the greatest act, His only begotten Son, the greatest gift, that whosoever believeth the greatest requirement should not perish the greatest tragedy, but have everlasting life, the greatest reward. John 3.16 But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 1 John 4.10 tells us that it's not because we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Literally took the wrath for us. That's love. To know the love of God and remain steadfast in it, we must keep His commandments and love one another even as Christ has loved us. 1 John 5, 1-3. As Jude writes, we must keep ourselves in the love of God. Jude 21. We must hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Hebrews 3.14 Remember when Paul wrote to the brethren at Corinth, Brother Moser, one of my instructors at the Memphis School of Preaching, says that he wrote the whole chapter, chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians just for this one verse. He says, Brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, Brethren, in order for us to stand firm in the truth of God's Word, we must speak the truth in love. And we must strive to possess the mind of Christ while remaining steadfast in the love of God. Ephesians four sixteen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, 5-8 through Brethren, we must be just as Christ was, if we want to remain steadfast in love and earnestly contend for the faith. We must be firm in faith, steadfast in love. And finally, we must be confident in hope. Hope is defined as desire coupled with expectation. 
Hope is a factor in salvation. Romans 8.24 Hope is an expression in endurance under trial. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Hope is the anchor of the soul. Hebrews 6.18 and 19 As Christians, we must hope to the end and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12.1 and 2 We can have confidence. We can have assurance that if we remain faithful, we will be approved on the day of judgment if we continually obey God. We know that we must keep on walking in the light and the blood of Christ cleanseth us. When you see that ETH in the King James, most of the time it is talking about a continuous action. It cleanseth us. It keeps on cleansing us. If we keep on walking in the light, the blood of Christ keeps on cleansing us. And what a great blessing that is from God and from our Lord who died for us and shed His blood for us. But that's where our hope lies. We have hope because Jesus Christ overcame death. He was victorious. And friends, we can be too when this life is over and the judgment is past. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, one that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 We must have confidence, and we can, when we faithfully obey God and do what He says, by reflecting the light of Christ and striving to be more like Christ with every breath that we take. In order for us to earnestly contend for the faith and have confidence, we must stand firm in faith, remain steadfast in love, and be confident in hope. I would like for us to now read from Jude the last four verses. Beginning in Jude, verse 21. As he has written this epistle about these false teachers that are coming and the judgment that awaits them, notice how he ends this wonderful epistle. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. As Christians, we must rise up and defend the truth because Jesus Christ died for us. That's what we're defending. That's what we're living for. And in Him, in the resurrection, in His power, is where our hope lies. Tonight, if you are not a Christian, before you can fight in this battle, you must be enlisted in the Lord's army. You may ask, what must I do? This is the greatest question that could ever be asked. What must I do to be saved? Number one, you must hear the Word. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. You must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, or you will die in your sins, John eight twenty four. You must be willing to repent, that is to change your mind about sinning, and then turn to follow the one true God, 
our, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For God commands all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17.30. He doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, 2 Peter 3.9. After this repentance, after this change of life, then you confess the glorious name of Jesus Christ. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10.9 and 10. Jesus said that whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven, Matthew 10.32. After this great confession, then you can be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.38 Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Mark 16.16 The only way to come in contact with the blood of Christ is to be buried with Him in baptism. Colossians 2.12 After you are buried, then you can rise to walk in newness of life. Romans 6.3-4 The Christian life is the only life. And tonight, if you have not obeyed the gospel, make sure that if you know what to do, that you do that tonight. Don't leave here without doing whatever it takes. But after that baptism, after you rise to walk, that's just the beginning. Then we must be faithful. Again, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. And if we remain faithful unto death, even in the face of death, we shall receive the crown of life. Revelation. 2.10 Tonight, if you have obeyed the gospel, you are a Christian. But you have not been earnestly contending for the faith. You have not stood up when you had an opportunity to. I ask that you do whatever it takes tonight to make the necessary changes that you will be ready to meet the Lord when He comes back. We must take a long, hard look at ourselves, myself included, and make sure that we are doing what God has said for us to do which can be found in His Word. Brethren, we must earnestly contend for the faith as we hope to see the Lord when He returns. If you need to respond to this invitation, I ask that you come now as together we stand and as we sing.